Welcome to the legacy teachings of Bill Anzavino, pastor of Christian Assembly Church since 1979. Though these teachings are decades old, we invite you to get out your Bible, take notes, and get ready to receive the uncompromised teaching of God's Word. For more information about Christian Assembly Church, please visit us online at cafamily.net. Let's pray. And Father, as we approach the study of your Word, we do so in the name of Jesus, giving place to the teaching ministry of the Holy Ghost. Thank you for anointing our ears to hear, our hearts to receive, and our minds to be open and for changing us from glory to glory according unto your word. And, Father, we declare that we'll never be the same again, but the word will impart to us, dear Father God, even more of your life, that we may live by it and walk in it. And, Father, we'll give you all the praise for all that takes place. And I personally ask you to cause my tongue to be as the pen of a ready writer to proclaim with boldness and accuracy the knowledge of the truth that will set us free and keep us free. We thank you for it now in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen, amen, amen. Praise God. I'd like you to turn with me in your Bibles to Romans chapter 10, if you would, please. Romans chapter 10. And I want to share with you tonight about the law of faith. The law of faith. We've been talking about the fact that there are four spiritual laws that govern God's relationship with man. Four spiritual laws that govern God's relationship with man. The first spiritual law being the law of love, the royal law of love. We know that God is love. We know that God loves humanity. We know that God loves mankind. But did you know that when God set all things in motion from the very beginning, He created the universe to love the earth, and He created the earth to love the man. He created the man to love God Himself. You see, in the very beginning, everything that's been created has been created for a reason, and you find that reason and its fulfillment in the law of love. Everything in the universe is loving the earth. Everything upon the earth is loving the man, providing what man needs to be sustained in human life upon this earth. Man was placed on earth by God to love God back. Now, God loved him first. God cared about him so much, gave him a, a perfect environment in which to live, a glorious place of habitation. He gave him responsibilities, yes, and he gave him duties, yes, but that was after he crowned him with glory and honor and gave him power and authority over all the works of his hands. Did he not do that in the very beginning? You talk about the crown of his creation. You see, man, he made man a little bit lower than himself. Oh, he loved mankind the highest of His creation, mankind. That was His perfect plan. And He had a beautiful plan that He offered to the human race through Adam and Eve. But of course, you know the story. Even though God loves mankind, there's that second law, and it's called the law of sin and death. When man rebelled against the plan and program of God, he was separated from God in his spirit. His soul was darkened. His, spirit, his physical man became mortal. He found himself groping in darkness. He gave place to upheaval in every realm of life. And as a result of that fall, upheaval came to his emotions. His body wanted to do things that he didn't want to do before. He was ashamed before God. He was naked before God. 
He hid himself. He had low self-esteem. There was an emptiness in his heart, a void that had to be filled, and he didn't know where to turn. He ran away from God, hid from God, didn't run to God. The law of sin and death is the second spiritual law that governs our relationship with God Himself. As a result of that law of sin and death, upheaval has come to man in every way. In order to fulfill that void or fill that emptiness inside his heart, man has turned to many things in this life. He has turned to drugs and alcohol and sexual fulfillment and self-gratification. He has turned to being a workaholic so as to fill up the emptiness in his heart with work and work ethics and all that. But no matter how hard he tries, no matter how sophisticated he becomes, no matter how highly educated he becomes, he still has an emptiness and still does not know God. No matter what he does in this life, it will never satisfy. It will never, never bridge the gap between himself and his God, his Creator. Beloved, God did not leave mankind in that awful state. No matter what a person might be experiencing in this life today, I want you to know God was not wanting to leave mankind in that state of hurt and upheaval, in brokenheartedness, weakness, and despair. God and His love for mankind caused Him to send His only begotten Son so that through Jesus Christ, a bridge would be built to bridge the gap between fallen man and a holy God. Thank God for Jesus. Thank God that He came. Thank God that He wasn't concerned about Himself only. Thank God He considered every single one of us in this place tonight. I want you to know something tonight. Jesus personally cares about you. He cared about you. Even before you were born, He knew you would be born, and He cared about you. He cared about you so much. He loved you so much. He laid down His life. He wasn't concerned about Himself. He wasn't concerned about the price He had to pay. He wasn't concerned about the suffering He had to suffer. He was just concerned about redeeming you from your awful state from that fall, from all of its effects, from the law of sin and death, from your separation from an almighty God. He wanted to pull you up out of the miry clay and give you a brand new life. And that's what he was concerned with. And that is what he was concerned about. So even though God has a beautiful plan, and even though it may seem as though because of your hurt or your upheavals that you experience in life that God is a million miles away from you, he is not. He is not. He's in the very air that you breathe. He's as close as the beat of your heart, the sound of your voice. He is here, right now in this place. And He wants to get us on the right track, everybody. That third spiritual law is called the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus that makes us free from the law of sin and death. Thank God, thank God, thank God that Jesus came and that Jesus died so that we could be free from the law of sin and death and from that guilt of sin. In Romans chapter 10, beginning at verse 1, Brethren, my heart's desire and prayer to God for Israel is that they might be saved. You see, beloved, Paul wanted all 
humanity to be saved. Paul knew that the law of sin and death stood in the way. God, uh, Paul knew that his brothers, the, the, the Jews, the Jewish people, he knew that they stumbled over the law. He knew they had a zeal for God, but it was not according to knowledge. Paul was told by Jesus himself, the gospel. And Paul was told it was by one man's transgression that sin and death came into the world. And it's by one man's obedience that one can be free from sin and death. And if a person wants life, and if he wants it in abundance, if he wants to have a victorious life over all the powers of darkness and the effects of the law of sin and death, he has got to come to God by Jesus. See, in Romans chapter 5 and verse 12, we're told that death passed upon all men through Adam. But it goes on to say, by one man's obedience, Christ, we are to reign as kings in the realm of life by one Christ Jesus. I believe that, don't you? God did not redeem us to a state of still being dominated by the devil and his bunch. God did not bring us out of the miry clay just to give us a place where we've got to be beaten daily by the forces of darkness and overcome daily by the forces of evil. He delivered us by His grace. He imparted to us so much of His power and ability that He says we have the right to reign as kings in the realm of life in which we live by one Christ Jesus. It has nothing to do with what we did. It has everything to do with what Jesus did. These people couldn't understand it. Verse 2, I bear them record that they have a zeal of God, but not according to knowledge. For they, being ignorant of God's righteousness, are going about to establish their own righteousness, having not submitted themselves unto the righteousness of God. For Christ is the end of the law for righteousness to everyone that believeth. To everyone that believeth. Christ is the end of the law. Thank God, Christ is the end of the law to every person who believes. For Moses describeth the righteousness which is of the law, that the man which doeth those things shall live by them. But the righteousness which is of faith speaketh on this wise, Say not in your heart who shall ascend into heaven, that is to bring Christ down from above, or who shall descend into the deep, that is to bring up Christ again from the dead. There is nothing man can do to save himself. There is nothing man can do to, to overcome his situation that he is in. You had nothing to do with the act of God's love in the very beginning when He created the whole world and all that in them is, right? You had nothing to do with Adam's fall in the Garden of Eden because you were not there. He was the figure representative for the whole human race, but you and I were not there, right? So we can't change that. We didn't have anything to do with it. We have nothing to do with the fact that God sent Jesus to the earth we didn't twist his arm. As a matter of fact, I read somewhere in the Bible where it says that God was not looking at man's sin. He chose to look the other way and still send his son. While we were yet sinners, Christ died for the ungodly, right? So we had nothing to do with it. Am I correct? So he is saying, why are these people trying to establish their own righteousness by keeping laws? You can't be saved by keeping those laws, he is saying. But they don't understand that. They're trying to do it in the flesh. They're trying to do it by keeping religious rites and observances. 
They're trying to do it by fulfilling a Mosaic law that was already fulfilled in Christ. And they didn't recognize it. They have nothing to do with any of this. And neither do you or I. But beloved, read the next two verses and you'll find out there's something for you and I to do. But what saith it? The word is nigh you, even in your mouth and in your heart, that is the word of faith which we preach. It's the word of faith that we preach. That if you shall confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and shalt believe in thine heart that God raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. Not by keeping laws, not by fulfilling observances and ordinances, but by believing in your heart and saying with your mouth, for with the heart man believeth unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. That is deliverance from the penalty of sin and the effects of sin and the effects of the fall. Whatever penalty sin brought into the human arena of life, it all has been eradicated by the blood of Jesus Christ. And for a man to be free, he doesn't go to church three times a week to be free. He doesn't say prayers, enough prayers to make him free. He doesn't help his mom do the dishes enough to make him free. There's no work a man can do to be free, but there is an operation called the law of faith. And if that person will believe that Jesus did it for him, and if that person will believe in the shed blood of the Savior, if he'll confess with his mouth from his heart the Lordship of Christ, boldly and mean it, spiritual death will be eradicated from his spirit and the effects of sin also will be overcome through the law of faith. Not of works, but of faith. And I want to show that to you tonight. For the Scripture saith, whosoever believeth on him shall not be ashamed. There's no difference between the Jew and the Greek. For the same Lord over all is rich unto all that call upon Him. For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be delivered from the penalty of sin and the effects of sin, delivered in his soul from the darkness that blinds his mind, delivered in his body from the diseases that try to ravage his body and make him sickly, delivered from the powers that would come against them, uh, in, in their minds, their souls to oppress and depress, delivered from the power of drugs or alcohol or tobacco or lust or immorality or anything else that comes against him in this life, he can rule and reign over to the law of faith. I want you to see something in the book of Galatians chapter 3. In 13, because Paul, the apostle who had this revelation given to him by Jesus Christ, reveals to us in these epistles these same truths. Look at verse 13. Christ hath redeemed us from the curse of the law, being made a curse for us. You want deliverance from the curse of the law and all of its effects? Then you and I have got to believe that someone was made the curse for us. Is there a curse trying to attach itself to your life? Is it the curse of influenza? Is it the curse of blood disease? Is it a curse of heart disease? Is it a curse of whatever? 
If it's trying to raise its ugly head in your life and rise up above your well-being, I want you to know something. You'll not defeat it by doing the dishes, attending church, observing rituals and rites. The only way that you and I will defeat it is by rising up in faith and declaring, Jesus bore that curse for me. And what He bore, I will not bear. I refuse to bear. Put that in your heart and put that in your mouth. That's the law of faith. And you'll see it. Let's read on. For it is written, Cursed is everyone that hangeth on the tree, that the blessing of Abraham might come on the Gentiles. You want some blessings to come on you? Do I want freedom from oppression? Do I want freedom from depression? Do I want freedom from obsession? Do I want freedom from, from a torment that comes to the human mind and despair? Do I want freedom from fear and all these things that we face in life today? From the fear of death? From the fear of financial failure? From the fear of whatever that, that contacts us in this life? Do I want freedom from it? I've got to get something in my heart. I've got to get something in my mouth. I've got to make my declaration, Jesus bore that curse for me. That the blessings of Abraham would come upon me. I open up the door of my life to the blessings of Abraham. I'm blessed coming in. I'm blessed going out. I'm blessed in the city. I'm blessed in the field. I'm blessed in my basket. I'm blessed in the store. I am blessed in every possible way in my life. I believe it. I say it. That's the law of faith. But if I walk around all day and I say, well, this, this is horrible. This, my life is a mess. Oh, my life is miserable. And I'll tell you, everywhere I go, everywhere I turn, around every corner is despair and defeat and sickness and disease and failure. If I talk like that, I'll tell you something. You're violating the law of faith that says what a man believes in his heart and says with his mouth will come to pass in his life. I didn't write the law. You'll see it in a moment. He did. If that law can pull us out of the, the depths of sin, it's the same law that opens the door to all the blessings of the covenant. But you see, for, for the most part, the majority of the Christian world hasn't seen this, and so they call you a name-it-claim-it extremist or fanatic. And the truth of the matter is they have not intelligently looked at the Word of God for themselves to discover the laws that apply to our relationship with Him. That we might receive the promise of the Spirit through faith. Brethren, I speak after the manner of men, though it be but a man's covenant, yet if it be confirmed, no man disannulleth or addeth thereto. Now to Abraham and his seed where the promise is made, he saith not in his seeds as of many, but as one, as of one, and to thy seed which is Christ. And this I say, that the covenant that was confirmed before of God in Christ, the law which was 430 years after cannot disannul, that it should make the promise of none effect. For if the inheritance be of the law, it is no more a promise, but God gave it to Abraham by promise. Wherefore then serveth the law, it was added because of transgressions, till the seed should come to whom the promise was made. It was ordained by angels in the hand of a mediator. Now a mediator is not a mediator of one, but God is one. Is the law then against the promises of God? God forbid, for if there could have been a law which could have given life, verily righteousness should have been by the law. The law could not give life. The law could not give righteousness. The law could not eradicate spiritual death, its effects and penalties as far as the human race was concerned. Can you see that? It was added to expose the sinful state of man. It was added to reveal to man that you can't please God by keeping His moral, social or dietary laws. 
There is no possible way that you could do that. Verse 22, But the Scripture hath concluded all under sin, that the promise by faith of Jesus Christ might be given to them that believe. But before faith came, we were kept under the law, shut up under the faith which should afterwards be revealed. Wherefore the law was our teacher or schoolmaster to bring us unto Christ that we might be justified, notice, not by the law, but by faith. Not by works of the law, rituals, religious duties and ordinances kept, but by faith, which involves the heart and the mouth of a person. But after that, faith is come. We're no longer under a schoolmaster, for you are all the children of God by faith in Christ Jesus. Think about that for a moment. We are children of God by faith. There wasn't a work that could make you a child of God. There wasn't a deed you could do to make you a, yourself a child of God. But Jesus did something for you, and if you'll believe it from your heart and say it with your mouth, you'll become a child of God. For as many as you have been baptized into Christ have put on Christ. There is neither Jew nor Greek, there is neither bond nor free, there is neither male nor female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus, and if you be Christ then you're Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. You realize that you're an, you're an heir according to the promise that God made Abraham by faith? And whatever promise, whatever benefit, whatever statement of fact that God declared to be true in the life of Abraham belongs to every single one of us through Christ. And this is not an ante for a but. You are an heir, a beneficiary of the covenant that God made with Abraham Christ fulfilled the law. And if you and I believe it and declare it, we have the power to become the sons of God. We have a, a, the power to experience all the blessings of the gospel and put down fear, put down despair, put down mental torment and anguish, put down anxiety and worry, put down all those things that come against the human life, the human mind, put down brokenheartedness, put down sickness and disease, and trample over it beneath our feet by the power of the name of the Son of God. Amen. We have a right to do that. Amen. But it's not by works, it's by faith. This is that third law. Go to Romans chapter 3. Let's give you another uh, reference to that effect. In Romans chapter 3 and verse 20. The law was added to the Abrahamic covenant to expose sin and let us know that man can never satisfy or please God by himself no matter what works he does. Romans chapter 3, beginning at verse 20, gives us a revelation of how a person is justified before God. Therefore, by the deeds of the law, there shall no flesh be justified in his sight. For by the law is the knowledge of sin. See what the law gave, a knowledge of sin. Verse 21. But now the righteousness of God without the law is manifested, being witnessed by the law and the prophets. Even the righteousness of God, which is by faith of Jesus Christ, unto all and upon all them that believe, for there is no difference. Notice, not that work, but that believe. For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God, being justified freely by His grace through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. The word justified means just as if we had never sinned, just as if man had never fallen. The way we can get back to that place 
of being justified by, before God is not through any work of the law, but through faith in the redemptive work of Christ. Beloved, let me make it this way. It doesn't matter to God how religious a person is. It doesn't matter how sophisticated he is. It doesn't matter how intelligent he is. He could never be what Adam was before the fall. So you look at the, the, the most respected human being on the face of the earth, someone you respect highly above everybody else, no matter how religious he is, how sophisticated he is, how intelligent he is, he is a long distance away from what Adam was in the beginning when God crowned him with glory and honor. Man can't achieve that status. We've never known an Adam. You never saw an Adam. If you saw Adam in his glory when he was first created by God, you and I would cower at his presence. See, we're, we're looking through eyes that have been darkened by a fall. You see somebody who might be sophisticated, intelligent, or highly religious, and you might think, there's, oh, there's, that person's made, it, made something of his life. I'll tell you something right now. He is nowhere near what Adam was in the beginning. But let's read on. Whom God had set forth to be a propitiation through, through, through. Everybody say faith in His blood. Did you hear that? Where's your faith to be? Where's your faith to be? Where's my faith to be? Was His blood shed? Was it shed? Did He die on that cross? Was there a spear in His side? Did it trickle down His brow? Was His back ripped open? Did the blood flow and fall to the ground? Did it? Did He enter into the regions of, of, of beneath the earth? Did He rise again on the third day? Did He take His blood in a basin to the high court of heaven? Did He offer that blood before the Father? Did the Father accept His blood? Did He? Then what happened in Adam in the fall? Jesus, by His blood, eradicates the power of sin. He de destroyed the penalty, taking it upon Himself. Judgment was upon Himself. And I believe by faith in His blood, we've been justified before God. And if we could remove the veil of this flesh and we were to be able to see each other in spirit, you'd glow even brighter than Adam. You and I would glow even brighter than Adam's saint. We've got Christ in us, the hope of glory on the inside sad thing that you can't get born again, stay in this body, I mean, stay in a have a glorified body and still stay on earth. That can't happen. See, the thing is, if you get saved, you get glorified on the inside, but you can't get a glorified body because then you have to leave earth. God needs us to stay in a mortal body to present Christ to the world. But man, you look good on the inside. You look powerful on the inside. Do you realize what God is wanting to unleash inside you and release it through your life? Do you, do you and I even imagine that? You have Christ in you, the hope of glory. You've got the hidden treasure of the glory of God in your inward parts. You and I do. But the average child of God doesn't understand that. And the average child of God walks around with a defeated attitude all day long, but I've got all these problems and all these situations, and you don't, I don't know what I'm going to do. You would think they were bankrupt on the inside. Let me tell you something right now, Saint. The law of faith says you better start believing what God did on the inside of you because if you will and you can believe in your heart and say it with your mouth, it'll come on the outside. And God will change your world. Amen? Okay, let's read on. God set him forth to be a propitiation through faith in his blood to declare his righteousness for the remission of sins. 
Remission of sins. The complete removal of sins that are past through the forbearance of God. To declare, I say at this time, His righteousness that He might be just and the justifier of him which believeth in Jesus. You know, He's your justifier. You know, you can tell somebody you're going to heaven and if they try to contest that, and ask you what makes you think you're so holier than thou that you're going to make heaven, you can say, God the Heavenly Father justified me by the blood of Jesus Christ. You can give an answer for the hope that's on the inside of you. He washed me in His blood. He brought me out of spiritual death and darkness. He gave me a brand new life. He's my justifier. And you would be right to say that? God justified you. You haven't done a thing. You can say, if I was going by my own righteousness, it would be as filthy rags. But you know what? I have set mine aside. I'm coming to God by the righteousness of Christ. His shed blood has justified me, and I am free from my sin and from sins and the powers of darkness, and I'm going to live a victorious life on this earth. Now, look, let's read on. Where is boasting then? It is excluded. By what law is boasting excluded? Of works? No, when a person does all these things, he's like the, the Pharisee that said, I pray three times a day, I fast three times a week. Oh, Lord, you know, you know who I am, I do all these, I keep your laws, I pay the tithe, I do all this, I do all that. I, that's boasting, isn't it? Wasn't he boasting before God? I do this and I do this and I do this and I do this and I do this. And what did God say? What did Jesus say about that man? He's trying to make it on his own self-established righteousness, isn't he? But the other fellow, man, he just smote his chest and said, Forgive me, I'm a sinner. I can't do anything to save myself. Forgive me. He accepted the plan of God. And Jesus said that man would be justified, but the other one wouldn't. By what law then is boasting excluded? We read on. Of works? No, not by the law of works, but by the law of faith. Faith is the fourth spiritual law. Faith is the fourth spiritual law. God loves you, but man fell. The law of sin and death has destroyed our relationship with God. Man is in despair. Man is empty inside. Man is troubled inside. Man is brokenhearted. Man is in misery. Man is full of torment and tormenting fears. He knows nothing about his eternity. He knows nothing about his existence. He doesn't know why he's here. He doesn't know where he's going. He tries to fill his voids with drugs and with alcohol and everything else that we mentioned before. But God knew what it would take, so he sent his only begotten son, who through the law of the spirit of life delivers mankind from the law of sin and death. And all man has to do, the fourth spiritual law is this. Whatever it is that God has done for us has got to be appropriated through the law of faith. You know what that means? If it comes by faith, there's no room for boasting. There is no room for boasting whatsoever because there's nothing you did. You had nothing to do with God's love and creation. You had nothing to do with the fall of man in the very beginning. You had nothing to do with Christ coming to redeem us and setting in motion the law of sin and death. But you have everything to do with appropriating what God did for you by faith. Somebody say amen or oh my, whatever applies. You and I have something to do with appropriating what God has done for us by the law of faith. So, therefore we conclude, verse 28, 
that a man is justified by faith without the deeds of the law. Is he the God of the Jews only? Is he not also the God of the Gentiles? Yes, of the Gentiles also. Seeing it is one God which shall justify the circumcision by faith and the uncircumcision through faith, do we then make void the law through faith? God forbid we establish the law. In other words, through faith the law has been fulfilled. Now, beloved, notice that verse 27 talks about the fact that faith is a spiritual law that enables us to appropriate the justification in our lives. Now, those that believe who, let's say, where people accuse them of believing in excess or to a place of fanaticism about faith, all they do is recognize the fact that the law of faith provides more than just deliverance from the penalty of sin. And I'm going to show that to you. People in Christianity have a gold mine right in front of them. Heaven's windows have been opened. The blessings of God, the blessings of the covenant, the blessings of Abraham, the full blessings of the gospel of Christ are there for the receiving. But God's people are not receiving because they don't understand the law of faith. They're not walking in victory, abundance in all the provisions of God because they have failed to acknowledge the law of faith and how it works. Not just in redemption to deliver us from the power of sin, but also in receiving what God has provided through Jesus. We're not just to be saved from the power of sin. That would be enough if that's all God did for us. But, beloved, the gospel offers more than that. In Romans chapter 1, verses 16 and 17, you know the verses. Paul said, I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. It's the power of God and the salvation to the Jew and to the Greek and to all those that believe. For therein is the righteousness of God revealed from faith to faith as it is written. The just shall live by what? By what? See, by the law of faith. Not by the works of the law, but by faith. The just shall live by faith. The word there, it's the power of God unto salvation, talks about deliverance, safety, protection, wholeness, soundness. All those things are provided, not just deliverance from the power of sin. It includes everything. It's all-inclusive. Health, protection, deliverance in your mind from the power of, of drugs or alcohol, lust, whatever it is. You have deliverance in your life from any power that would hold you in bondage or hold you back. In the gospel, it's all provided if you live by faith. You can appropriate that in your life. Now, in the book of Hebrews chapter 4, and this one I want you to see, in verse 1, even though the gospel provides all that we need for complete and total deliverance in this life, to live a victorious life like Jesus said, I came to give you life and to give it more abundantly, even although that is true and even though it's already been set in motion, even though God has already deposited all these things in our heavenly bank account, the fourth spiritual law says we must appropriate these things by the law of faith. I've got to believe it from my heart. I've got to say it with my mouth if I want it in my life. If I want deliverance from a broken heart, I've got to believe in my heart and say with my mouth that my God heals the brokenhearted and binds up every wound and I declare that He has done it for me. If I need strength in my life, to overcome weaknesses, I've got to start believing in my heart that has been provided for me in the gospel and start saying it with my mouth, I am not weak. Let the weak say, I am strong. I am strong in the Lord and in the power of His might. If I have a problem with my memory and remembering things as far as what the Word of God says, 
Take John 14 and 27 and 26, 27, read those verses in there, and start saying, He brings all things to my remembrance whatsoever Jesus has said unto me. You believe in your heart that the Holy Ghost has been provided to touch your heart, to touch your mind, and enlighten your brain cells with the knowledge of God. You start believing that in your heart and saying that with your mouth. If you want power of God in your body, then you and I have got to start saying, the Spirit of God that raised up Jesus from the dead indwells me and is now quickening my mortal body. I've got to believe that because that's what the law of faith does. In Hebrews chapter 4, verse 1, Let us therefore fear lest the promise being left us of entering into his rest, any of you should seem to come short of it. For unto us was the gospel preached as well as unto them. But the word preached did not profit or benefit them. The word preached, the gospel, did not profit or benefit them not being mixed with faith in them that heard it. Did you hear that? The gospel will not benefit, the, the gospel will not profit if one does not mix faith with it. Why? It's the law of faith, the fourth spiritual law. I've got to appropriate the blessings of God by faith because God will not impose His will upon me. You know, God will not even bless me in my life if I don't let Him. If I'm going to walk with my head hung low, if I'm going to talk defeat in my life, He'll let me. He won't bowl me over and, and, and do something. Oh, He'll send people around me to gently talk to me and say, Hey, Bill, you know not to talk like that. You know better than that. You shouldn't talk like that. Look what Jesus did for you. And they'll remind me of that, and I'll be encouraged, and I'll start saying, Yes, that's right. I don't have to say that. I don't have to accept that. I don't have to receive that in my life. Praise God, Jesus took care of that for me. I'm strong in the Lord, in the power of His might. Thank you for greater is he that's in me than he that is in the world. See, all of a sudden my countenance changes. I start speaking the word of God. I mix faith with the gospel. As a result, I experience the power of the gospel. Now, according to God's word, go on back to Galatians chapter 3. We have been given more than just deliverance from the penalty of sin. And Paul preached that message to people who thought that they could get God to do things for them if they just kept laws and rituals. You know, sometimes people say that even in our circles, yet they don't know they're saying it. They'll be the first ones to tell you, you can't get God to save you by the works of the law. But you know what? They'll think that God should heal them because of the works of their religion. I've talked to people, you know what they said? If God would have healed anybody, he would have healed Sister So-and-So. She's in church three times a week. Right? You don't get healed by being in church three times a week. You don't even get delivered by being in church three times a week. Laws don't move God. Those kind of laws. Works don't move God. No. And I've heard him say it time and time and time again. We'll explain that. This person's not in church three times a week. This one is, and this one didn't get healed, but the other one did. I guarantee you that one operated in the law of faith and this one was counting on his or her good works to get healed or delivered. And that may be hard, but you know what? It's true. Let's read these verses. Chapter 3, verse 1. O foolish Galatians, who hath bewitched you that you should not obey the truth before whose eyes Jesus Christ hath been evidently set forth crucified among you? This only what I learn of you receive ye the Spirit by the works of the law or by the hearing of faith. How did you get filled with the Holy Ghost? By the works of the law? As a matter of fact, if you go to the time of the law and you discover when they were having all their rituals and their laws on the day of Pentecost 
And there they were in Jerusalem going through all the rituals and having all their laws and observances and all that. Very sophisticated, very highly religious and all that. In this one setting here, on the day of Pentecost, as they practiced oh, year after year after year after year. In a back street upper room, there were some people meeting together because Jesus told them to meet there. Pentecost did not fall in that religious atmosphere. It fell in a back street upper room where people were operating in faith, not works. Amen? How do you receive the Spirit? Through the works of the law or by the hearing of faith? And the answer is by the hearing of faith. How do people get filled with the Holy Ghost? By believing in their heart and saying with their mouth, I believe the Holy Ghost is in me, is for me today, and He will come upon me, and I believe that when He does, I will speak with other tongues as the Spirit of God gives utterance. And that's how they receive the Holy Ghost, by the hearing of faith. Let's read on. Are you so foolish, having begun in the Spirit, are you now made perfect by the flesh? Did you hear that? You want to be made mature in God? You want to have victory in God? You want to have deliverance in God if I want to? Then I have got to recognize this law. It is not by my works. It's not by my church attendance. It's not by my, even my religious rituals that I practice. You can say, but I read the, God all, read the Word of God all the time. And you know what? That's not it either. You can read it and re read it and never apply it. Come on, say amen. You can read it but never apply it. You know I'm speaking truth. So listen. It's when I get that Word shut up in my bones. It's when I make my declaration that I'm not going to tolerate this any longer in my life. It's when I say the Word of God says, and I believe what the Word of God says. And I take a stand. I exercise my will. And Father God, I'm giving you an open door to my life to bring deliverance, victory, whatever it is I need. I will not allow this in my life any longer. I believe Jesus bore it. I believe Jesus took it. Let's read on. You're not perfected by the works of the flesh. You're perfected because you start declaring some good things that are in you in Christ Jesus. You start saying, I'm walking in the love of God. I'm walking in the peace of God. I declare, I will not walk in despair. I will not walk in discouragement. I am walking in the life of God. I have the ability of God in me. He, Christ is in me now, the hope of glory. I'm not going to walk with my head hung down. I'm not going to have a guilt complex anymore. I'm not going to have low self-esteem. You know why? Because if you ever saw me inside, on the inside of me, you know there's no need for me to walk with my head hung low. I've got Christ in me, the hope of glory. And beloved, that is not coming across with a condescending attitude whatsoever. If anything, it's lifting up our awareness to know that God did a tremendous work in us in Jesus. It's time we acknowledge it. It's time the body of Christ rise up and walk in it. Can you say amen? Let's read on. He that, verse 4, Have you suffered so many things in vain, if it yet be in vain? He therefore that ministereth to you the Spirit and worketh miracles among you, doeth he it by the works of the law or by the hearing of faith. How are miracles wrought? By the works of the law? No, by the hearing of faith. That's how miracles are wrought. By the hearing of faith. You want to work a miracle? You've got to do it by faith. I believe what God said is so. I'm taking a stand upon the Word of God that says this or that. And therefore, I am applying the pressure of the Word of God to the circumstance of my life and I'm giving place or birth to a miracle. That's what you're doing. 
You're saying my body's going to line up to the Word of God. You're saying my business is going to prosper by the Word of God. You're saying those devils abound by the Word of God. You are saying that thing has no power or control over my life. You're saying grief will not destroy my life. You're saying lust will not destroy my life. You're saying drugs, alcohol, any addiction whatsoever will not destroy my life. I refuse to give place to it. I refuse to give place to anxiety and worry and frustration and fear because you believe in your heart and say with your mouth that somebody did something about your problem. And what are you giving place to? A miracle. It's by faith. Even as Abraham believed God, it was accounted to him for righteousness. Know ye therefore that they which are of faith, the same are the children of Abraham. The scripture foreseeing that God would justify the heathen through faith, preached before the gospel unto Abraham, saying, In thee shall all the nations be blessed. God preached the gospel to Abraham. Did you hear that? Saying, In thee shall all nations be blessed. So then they which be of faith, not the law, not of works, not of religious rites or ceremonies, they which be of faith, they are blessed with faithful Abraham. That's why we sing the song, Abraham's blessings are mine. I'm blessed coming in, I'm blessed going out, I'm blessed in the city, I'm blessed in the field, I'm blessed in the basket, I'm blessed in the store. He has made me the head and not the tail. I am above and up beneath. I'm blessed in my coming in, I'm blessed in my going out, I'm blessed in all that I set my hands to do. And everything will prosper. Why? I'm blessed with faithful Abraham. Someone says, I don't believe it. You've got to earn it. You can't earn it. You've got to believe it to have it. This is what faith is all about. And the law of faith, beloved, let's, let's do it. Go to Mark's Gospel, chapter 11, and we'll close it here. You know I've got a lot more in me. You know that. And that doesn't take faith. You know it. The Gospel provides more than just deliverance from the penalty of sin. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Bless His holy name and forget not one benefit. Who forgives all my sins by faith. Who heals all my diseases by faith. Who redeems my life from destruction? Is there something eating at you? Something trying to destroy you in your brain, in your soul, in your mind, in your relationships with other people? Is there something trying to gain a grip over your life? I want you to know that your God delivers you from destruction. He delivers your life from destruction. Say that with me. My God delivers me from destruction, from every power that would destroy me in spirit, in soul, in my emotions, in my mind, or in my body, in my finances, in my home, my family, my relationships. God delivers me from all the powers of destruction. That's the benefit of the gospel. In Psalm 113 and verse 9, if you're out there, a young woman that cannot or whoever cannot have children, the Bible says he'll make the barren woman to keep house and become a joyful mother of children. All you've got to do is believe it in your heart and say it with your mouth and you better watch if you really don't want it. <laughs> Amen. It works. The benefits of the gospel. There are more than just those few that we mentioned. He has provided everything for us that you can even possibly imagine. But here in Mark eleven twenty-two, Jesus is the master teacher of faith and he says, have faith in God or have the faith of God. Have faith in God. My margin says have the faith of God. In other words, this is what faith is all about. Here is a command to have faith. We are commanded by God to have faith. This was not a request. 
This is not a suggestion. Jesus said, have faith in God or have the God kind of faith. Okay, Jesus, what's it all about? Verse 23 is the law of faith. The law of faith says this is the law, the same law that unleashes the blessings of Abraham, that releases the powers of the gospel of Jesus Christ, that brings salvation to the human soul, justification, deliverance in soul, in body, in spirit, in finances, in relationships, overcoming despair, in, in, in brokenheartedness, in defeat, in all those things. How? Here it is. Say to your mountain, be removed, be cast into the sea, and don't doubt in your heart, but believe that what you say will come to pass, and you will have what you say. Mark 11, 23, the law of faith. How is one justified? By the law of faith. How is one delivered? By the law of faith. How is one kept? By the law of faith. How will the just live? The just shall live by faith. By what? By believing in your heart that what you say with your mouth will come to pass. The just shall live by believing that what they say from their mouth with their heart will come to pass. I didn't write it. Jesus did. And that's what the law of faith entails. That's what it is. You can't be saved by bringing Christ down, pulling him up. You can't be saved by setting a plan of yours in motion for your deliverance, your justification from sin. You and I can't do that. You can't work like Cain thought he could to please God. God he had his own theology, didn't he? He had his own philosophy, didn't he? Abel said, no, I'm going by the way mom and dad said to do it. They said, offer up a sacrificial lamb and take his blood, the innocent blood. I'm going that route. And Cain says, no, there's another way. There's a way that seems right to a man, but the ends are of the way of what? Beloved, if the works are the ways of death, then why do we think we can work enough for God to get him to do something for us? God doesn't work that way. God operates on the, on the law of faith. It takes faith in our hearts and lives to appropriate the blessings of the gospel. And that's why, you, if you know, you come to church, you're to be commended if you come to church three times a week. That's wonderful, but that doesn't heal you. Verse 24 is the prayer of faith. Beloved, we're going to take a fresh look at these things. This is the prayer of faith. Therefore, whatever you desire when you pray, if you go to God in prayer, you better listen. I better listen. Whatever you desire when you pray. What's the next word? What is it? Believe. That's faith. It's not based on... Here, here's what most people do. Father, I'm asking you to help me in this area of my life. Thank you. And then they walk off. And not even 30 seconds later... Well, I guess I didn't get anything. Maybe he didn't hear me. See, the problem is what? Not realizing the place of faith and the importance of faith. You, you make one prayer and then you make 50 statements within an hour that absolutely nullify your prayer. No, whatever you ask God for, you're to believe you receive and you shall have. For let not the double-minded man think he shall receive what? Anything from God. Beloved, this is the law of the prayer of faith that Jesus is revealing to us. If I want candy, I've got to believe I receive candy. If I want pizza, I've got to believe I receive pizza. I'm putting it where you can really relate. <laughs> if I want a meatball, I've got to believe I receive a meatball. And Sharon, if I want potato, I've got to believe I receive a potato. Before I ever see it in my hand, I've got to believe I receive it. If you see it, why well, you have to believe? It's there. You know it. I don't see a potato in my hand yet, but I believe I receive it. I believe I receive it. I believe I receive it. 
I believe I receive it. That's what prayer is all about. I believe I receive it. And you know, while I'm believing I'm receiving it, God is going to work in the supernatural realm so it materializes in the natural realm. But the moment I stop saying I believe I receive it, well, I guess I didn't get anything, all the angels stop. Fold their hands and say, well, there he goes again. Angels are to minister for us if we operate in faith, and they will. But if we stop our faith, you've heard, keep the switch of faith turned on, what happens? They fold their arms and stop working. Well, we can't work now because we're watching over God's Word to perform it, and you're not speaking God's Word, so we can't perform it. And then he goes on and talks about the heart of faith, which is what? Love. And when you stand praying, forgive if you have ought against any. And to make it in a nutshell, this is the, this is, is the heart of faith. Faith worketh by what? By love. So love has to be the encompassing, embracing factor when it comes to faith released from the heart. It's a heart of love. I love God. I love mankind. I love Jesus for what he's done for me. And operating in that love means I'm not going to hold anything against a person. I'm, I'm going to love everybody, care for everybody, do whatever I possibly can to help humanity. I'm going to live in the realm of love so my faith can work or be energized by that love and give birth to the program of God, whatever God wants for my life. See, faith works by love. Now, beloved, God did for us many things. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give you this, you write this verse down, Philemon 1, 6. It says that our faith may become effectual by our acknowledging every good thing which is in us in Christ Jesus. That our faith would become, how many want effectual faith? Faith that works, faith that gets, faith that does, faith that creates, faith that binds devils, faith that, that breaks the power of Satan, faith that sets the captives free, faith that is effectual in transforming my life and maturing my life and changing me, faith that can speak to a business and say, I declare that you are prosperous and it becomes prosperous, faith that, that can say, take your hand off that person's mind, you lose let him go free and the light of the gospel comes to his mind and he's delivered. Faith that says, get your hand off my child. I refuse to give you any place whatsoever and the demons have got to bow. How many of you want your faith to be effectual that says, get out of my life. I refuse to give you authority over me and devil's got to leave. How many of you want your faith to be effectual? Well, that key verse says this, that the communication of your faith may become effectual by the acknowledging of every good thing which is in you by Christ Jesus. What are we acknowledging that is in us? Or are we acknowledging everything that our emotions dictate to us? If you walked by your emotions, you'd be a defeated person every day. But if you walked by acknowledging every good thing in you by Christ Jesus, you'd walk victorious every day. Can you say amen? See, the law of faith declares it. Well, let's stand to our feet. Let's get... Our exercise clothes on. Thank you for listening to our legacy teachings. We pray today's message has a profound impact upon your life and your ministry. I want you to know that God loves you, has a great plan for your life. But if you've never made Jesus Christ Lord and Savior of your life, I'd like to invite you to do that right now. Just pray this simple prayer right after me. Just say, Heavenly Father, I come to you just as I am. And I believe with all my heart that Jesus died for my sins and was raised from the dead for me. I open the door of my heart. I call upon the name of the Lord. Lord Jesus, 
Come into my heart now. I receive you and accept you as my personal Savior and Lord. If you prayed that prayer with me, you're a child of God right now, and I encourage you to get into a good Bible-based church where you can learn to grow in your Christian faith and experience. God bless.